Atlanta sports fans are all too used to hear. Until now. No more negative expectations. No more playing the victim. No more fair weather freeloaders. No more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up, and it's going! From the Mesmerized Studios in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Taylor and the Commissioner, Mark Rich. Well, hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome back from the Thanksgiving holiday. I hope everyone has come out of their food comas and your bank accounts made it through Black Friday and Cyber Monday. We are back, coming at you a little late. We had things to do yesterday. I had a honeydew list yesterday that had been uh, on the back burner and somebody turned up the heat on it. So when that happens, you get on it. But I hope everybody had a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Mark and I had a pretty fun holiday and we're going to get to it later. We went down to Athens, Georgia and watched the Bulldogs take on the jackets and they whooped up on the North Avenue Trade School. But boy, it sure took them a minute to get warmed up and get going. But we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Because the first thing we're going to talk about, and uh, I always liked this guy when he was in Atlanta, so I was happy to see him kind of make a return or get an opportunity to make a return to the major leagues, and that's Julio Tehran. Signs a minor league deal with the Padres, and before that he was in the Mexican leagues and he was playing with the Staten Island Ferry Hawks. And I got to tell you, I thought him and Jair Jurgens might anchor this Braves uh, roster or or staff rotation if you will for a while and they and they both just kind of had their struggles and flamed out but always good to see a former brave get back in the mix and man with Alex Anthopoulos you just never know you, you could see him back in Atlanta just how he wants to wave that magic wand yeah and that magic wand I don't know what it's up to but I sure hope he's uh working some some magic out because there's not really any it's all speculation. There's not really any concrete news out there. The only thing that's picking up a little head of steam as I, you know, comb the Twitters and and the other sports site is working a trade package for Willie Adams. And he's a shortstop. Milwaukee played with Tampa Bay. He's 27, so a little bit younger than Dansby, but the general consensus is the longer we wait and the longer this gets drawn out, the more likely it is that it isn't going to happen. And you've heard us say this on here before. I've even said I was uh, red flags are up because it's kind of similar to that Freddie thing of, well, they want him here. He wants to be here. What's going on? So, again, we just have to wait. And no news is good news. But a lot of people are also concerned about Max Freed because he's got two years left on his deal, but we locked up. Obviously, Olsen came in from Oakland, but we locked him up, and we locked up Riley, and we locked up Strider and all this young talent, but Freed wasn't offered a contract, so now Braves fans are are wondering what's going to happen, but maybe it's just not a priority for him or Anthopolis right now because there are two years left, and maybe next season in 24 they extend him. I don't know. Well, look look at the – man, look at our pitching staff. It's, why, it's why would heavy. You, why would you extend him right now, coming into a season where you're you're going to potentially get Soroka back, and and just see what you have? You don't have to do it yet. Yeah, like it's not like, I mean, you want to make sure you get a uh, if you want to keep him, you're going to get that deal done before his contract runs out. You don't want him testing the free agency waters if you want to keep him. You you make that deal, but like right now you have you have a loaded staff. You want to see what you got. Yeah, and and I think it's just from fans, and no no insult to fans. I just 
think maybe they're a little bit more of the casual fan and they don't understand how the business works and they don't understand the logistics of contracts and everything and how it how it plays out for luxury taxes and season in and season out. So maybe it's better financially. And I'm sure they've sat in a room with Max and said, hey, Max, don't worry. Don't worry. But I, I guarantee you, just from watching, I don't know Max Freed, but I, I've read enough and watched enough of his interviews to know that I bet he's not worried about it. I bet all he's worried about is competing and getting better and, and staying on top. And not to dog on Max Freed, but you know we're talking about a guy who was in the conversation for the Cy Young when he wasn't even the best pitcher on our staff last year. So why negotiate when he's got that stuff in his back pocket? Like, I came in, came in second in the Cy Young voting or... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Give him another year. Make sure that he's actually that dude before you you give it to him. Because last year he he got a lot of you know a lot of praise, but Kyle Wright was our guy. Oh yeah, I mean, and some people would disagree with us, but without a doubt, Kyle Wright was the ace of that staff, and I would have to think he's the odds-on favorite coming in this year to maybe even be the opening day starter. I know Freed has kind of been tagged with that the last several seasons, but. Again, I and I think just it's all much ado about nothing. Let's just play the game. Let's just, you know, because, again, none of us really, I mean, if we looked at it for more than 10 or 15 minutes, we would know, but none of us really understand truly the, the true financials and the, the balance sheet of a professional baseball team because we've never seen one. We, we don't go to work every day and, and look at that stuff. So, But if anybody's hiring, just let us know. We, yeah. we would love that to be our secondary job. Hey, speaking of, speaking of hiring, I just finished a program, and I, I'm, I'm looking for the IT world. So, you know, hey, hit us up. I need a job. <laughs> it's almost it's, – no, it's not almost time. It's time to go back to work full time. I, I kind of been shuffling around doing odd jobs and stuff because I was just blessed to be able to do so. But now it's, it's time to get back. It's Somebody hire this man. Yeah, come on. I'm great. I'm a, I'm a joy to be around sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, but yeah. So I just think it's crazy that we're almost in December. Like the holiday season is upon us. We have one more day in November. So now major league baseball is like 60, 74 days, February 14th. Everybody knows uh, Valentine's day. That's when pitchers and catchers report and it's just coming up on us. We're going to, we're going to be back in here with some crazy Braves talk soon enough. But on Monday, that's the winter meetings. They start December 4th. But what's even more important is this Sunday, December 3rd, are two guys that we, uh, well, we prattled on about Murphy. We, we touched on McGriff, but these two guys find out Sunday if they get in. And I am crossing my fingers. I, I, I don't know what else I could do just being a lowly uh, – you know, upstart podcast for believe, but I, I, I told everybody uh, I knew that I thought the guy should be in. I, d- I just, Del Murphy has got to get in. I don't know who votes. I mean, you know, sports writers, media pundits, all the, you know, retired players. I know there's a, like a board or whatever that, you know, you receive a vote, but I feel like if Dale doesn't get in, they should all have to give us an explanation, a written explanation. Man, I'm going to hire like uh, Danny Ocean and those guys, and we're going Ocean's Eleven style, and we're going to break into Cooperstown and set up a shrine for him, and they're going to wonder how it got there. The guys, so I mean, long just, as it's better than that Sean Taylor bullshit they did in Washington. Yeah, right. Um, but as as long, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. The numbers are there. The career is there. We've talked about it on this podcast, on a prior podcast. I mean, there's nothing really more to say, and there's nothing really we can do but hope. But And I don't know. I, I've, I've, it's weird because I read years ago that he didn't have a lot of chances left. So I'm, I'm just glad in 2022 he's on it because I think I remember as far back as like 16 seeing articles of uh, he's only got one or two more times. I don't – and I didn't dig deep enough. I wasn't a – well – I don't want to say I wasn't a good sports fan. I just probably wasn't the best I could be and just to really deep dive it and find out, you know, is this his last shot or did he have a last shot? But now there's this one. Who knows? But anyway, Sunday. And then look for look for a lot of action. I'm really hoping that because I've said before on, on here, the last few winter meetings have, have been kind of eh. But COVID was going on too. So I really look for a lot of deals to get done and the floodgates to open to give us plenty of great stuff to talk about and, you know, again, I read yesterday that 
really the only thing keeping DeGrom from coming to Atlanta is, is dollar bills and those kind of tiered levels of, you know, uh, of, of luxury tax where right now, I think if they sign Dansby, they'll be up in like the 230 million bracket. And if they bring DeGrom on 273 and people got to get over the fact that the Braves aren't the Liberty media Braves from a few years ago where we were screaming for, please sign this guy. We don't have any money. Like the money is there. If, if the Braves want to do it, I don't care who Tim Kirkchen. I don't care who you are, you know, what level of fan or reporter or whatever you are. The money is there period end of story. If you know anything about the game of baseball, if you read more than five minutes on the internet, the money is there. The Braves have the money to literally do whatever they want. They've said they'll, they'll have a top five payroll. It's there. So if the Braves want DeGrom, they can get DeGrom. If they want to bring back Dansby, they can bring back Dansby. I'm just ready for it to all shake out. So we got some good meaty morsels of uh, sports talk to bring here for you. And like if Dansby does sign, why did it take so long? If he doesn't sign, what happened? Where was the breakdown? And I guarantee you, Anthopolis is working on it. As much as you guys may not like to hear it, he's working on a plan. He's probably already has a plan in place if Dansby doesn't sign. But I'm still holding out hope because I'd like to see him uh, patrolling shortstop for a few more years and help bring this club, this town, this fan base, another championship because I think before it's all said and done, these guys are going to win two more. I'll say two. I'll be conservative. But they've got the talent, they've got the money, they've got the you know the, the the front office, they've got everything in place to make another ridiculous run like the '90s. This is kind of like history repeating itself, and uh, you know that's that's my take. I think the Braves are set up for a very long time, and even if some of these you know Michael Harris's and and whatnot don't work out, it's such, they're so team friendly. These contracts they won't be hard to unload and shuffle around and move and. Man, like I said, you want to talk about MVP. Alex Anthopoulos is the MVP of the Atlanta Braves right now. I'm surprised this statue isn't up yet. It's going to happen one day. I'll tell you what. At some point, there's going to be some sort of shrine to AA in, in Atlanta. and Just in a, in a couple-year period of time, you've done like a – your life's work is amazing. Yeah, I mean, even what he did with the Blue Jays when he was there and made them contenders, and then he – I, that's why I was so excited to get him because he did great things in Toronto and then he was part of a, the winning culture that is the Los Angeles Dodgers, even though they haven't really been able to put it together, so to speak. They won that one World Series in that COVID season. And, you know, we'll we'll see where they go with that. But I'm just... Uh, Preseason champs. Yeah. Thanks, Dave Roberts. <laughs> Thanks for that. I wonder, like, you know, have they have kangaroo court and all that, you know, if if you're if you get a lead as a pitcher and then you go out and you give up a couple of runs, you know, you get a fine and there's just certain things. There's this unspoken uh, rule book in MLB clubhouses. I wonder if his players or his coaching staff said, well, Dave, we got to tax you for I, that ridiculous. Or if I was in spring training, as soon as he walked off the stage, I'd be like, what are you doing? You idiot. That's a, that's when you get beat with a sack full of oranges. Yeah. Or baseballs or oranges and baseballs mixed together. Like, you just guaranteed a world championship, and, and we're in February or March. Dude, what is your, what's your damage? Yeah. You're the, reason, you're the reason you can say they didn't, you know, they, they ran into a buzzsaw that was a hot Padres team, or, you know, the, they had some nagging injuries, and some of their boppers didn't bop so well this year. But, nah, Dave, Dave Roberts put the onus on them right out of the gate. So, again, you know, uh, hopefully next week, after Monday next week, maybe Thursday next week, we'll have a lot of hot stove stuff to talk about and kind of this Braves lineup will start to take shape and we'll see if we make a splash, even if it's signing a Trey Turner and Dansby gets out of town or signing a DeGrom. I know Verlander, I think, is still out there. Probably probably shouldn't expect him to show up in Atlanta, though, but I think he's out there. Uh, I know uh, Kershaw has re-signed. There's still some arms out there, but I think the biggest story for next year that I'm excited about, and I'm going to try to watch as many games as I can, is probably, for me, one of the greatest hitters, one of the greatest players. Such a, I mean, he was always fun to watch, but he's just a funny dude. 2023 will be his last season. Miggy has said he's hanging it up after 23, and Miguel Cabrera was the last Triple Crown winner 
I don't know how long it'll be before we see another one. If we see another one, only one in, I think only one in my lifetime. I was pretty excited when that happened because I never thought I would see one in my lifetime, but I'm almost certain that Miguel Cabrera and I'm almost 45 is the only triple crown winner in my lifetime thus far and might be the, the only one I see, even if I live to be a hundred, that's a tough, that's a tall order to win a, a triple crown, but it's a lot. just going to be cool to see if they, you know, that's weird. I, I, I didn't notice it a lot and see a lot of press about Yachty and Albert. You know, usually you go to these stadiums and they give you like a surfboard if you're in Miami or, you know, you go to Texas and they give you like a hat and, you know, they give you a steer. You know, you go to all these stadiums and they kind of give you a gift that kind of relates to where they're at. And I didn't see that a lot with a uh, chipper, man, that dude got something every, every stadium he stopped in, but maybe they, maybe they do that like a big tour for Miggy. Cause, uh, he never he, man, when he's with the Marlins, boy, I didn't like him. He gave us fits, but he's been great up in Detroit and just an all around, uh, Everybody that, that, you know, that meets him, he's just, just a good baseball guy, fun player. And he's already said he's not leaving the game. So he's going to be patrolling a dugout in Detroit or Miami or somewhere as a hitting coach or a fielding, you know, some sort of bench coach. You may even see him heading up a squad one day. And speaking of that, I still dream of a day where we see Chippa donning the jersey again in the dugout. I don't know if this is a hitting coach or bench coach or what, but I would love to see that happen. And because he's always around the team, but man, how how cool would that be? It would also make me feel really old too, which we've been talking about lately because of our trip back to the hallowed grounds of Sanford Stadium, Dooley Field. It had been a while for me since going back to Athens. I think Mark was there in what twenty nineteen. Is that the yeah. last time you were there? No, I was there last year. Okay, so last year. Well, for me, it's been since like the Missouri game a very long time ago, like seven or eight years ago. This was that one that was like really foggy, and I think it was 11 to 9. You remember that game? Georgia <laughs> Georgia should have housed them. Like Georgia was a very good football team that year. Missouri, not so much. Is that one of the backdoor SEC East championships for Missouri? I think so. It might have been, but Georgia won. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure Missouri beat us 11. Anyway, it was a foggy, ugly, nasty, wet game. And I'm pretty sure that was the last time I was in Athens, seven or eight years ago. That would sour sour me on Athens, losing to Missouri. Well, you know, we talked about this. It's just so weird going back to Athens when you see, like, how the town has changed. And, of course, you you know, uh, me personally – I had a somewhat of a shady existence in Athens as a student as well. <laughs> and we talked about that and man, we uh, walked up through North campus and just kind of, Hey, do you remember this? And it was really was kind of walk down memory lane. We did talk about, you know, our days at Georgia quite a bit on that trip, but I had a great time. It was 64 degrees. We sat right behind the tech band. We were right in the sun, but I'll tell you what of all that, the officiating was really bad. I said Georgia would hang 50 on Tech, and they should have because those guys took away at least two touchdowns from us. Had to have some ACC officiating going on because historically those guys have been bad anyway. But the question I want to ask you, and I'll let you take this, is Georgia really that good that they can kind of come out? Because this is what happened. We talked about it during the game as we were watching it. They, they, they looked uninspired. They looked lazy just kind of lackadaisical. Now, something that popped into my head uh, was it was senior day, so a lot of guys are playing their last game ever in Sanford Stadium. They'll never take that field on game day again. So maybe the emotions were running a little high, and they were a little, you know, Stett, he he took his final bow, his curtain call in Athens. He's still got a few more games to go. I'm sure he's got like six more years of eligibility. Yeah. (laughs) They'll find a way, won't they? Uh, it was pretty interesting, though, that uh, I read some stuff about Kirby said, man, uh, and this is just kind of, I'm telling you, you know, people, and, and we've had our complaints about Stetson Bennett, but we, we kind of got all in on him and said, man, you know what? If Kirby likes him, we like him. Kirby's the head coach. He's, you know, I, I think it's just a real inspirational story. And I got to say, I kind of look to him because I, you know, I'm trying to uh, change my career and, and and get into a new industry and all that. And, like, the dude just never quit. Kirby said himself and the coaching staff tried to do everything they could 
to keep him from starting, and he just kept banging on the door. He he he, just, he would not be denied. And this is another thing. There was a kid in in dressed out with Bennett on the back of his jersey. So there's another Bennett at UGA. He stood with the family. I don't know if it's a cousin or a little brother. I'm not quite sure. I know there's a Fromm at Auburn playing tight end, but that was interesting to see. I didn't know he had a relative, or, or be it a brother or a cousin on that team, but there is another Bennett roaming the sidelines for Georgia football. But again, I think parents should tell their kids about Stetson Bennett from here to, here to the end of time. Like, if you think you can't do something, if you think something's unachievable, look what he did. Oh, just watch out for the the movie on Disney Plus. Coming, oh yeah, coming. Man. If we, if man, there might be a movie made right now. If he wins two, if he gets yeah. two at Georgia, there will be a movie. There will be a Stetson Bennett movie, and shit, he'll probably play himself. Yeah, uh, one of those Hallmark movies. Yeah, but, but somebody, somebody, will, somebody bigger will pick it up. I man, I it is. It's a great story, and yes, yeah. there are. Uh, there are times where it, you know, I, I kind of love the fact that like I've gotten to a point and, and I think you're at the same place as I am too, where you can be critical of your quarterback's play and back your quarterback at the same time. Absolutely. A lot of people find that, you know, very difficult to do one. It's one or the other, either you, you have to be critical of them or, or he's your guy, no matter what he does. But you have to find that happy um, medium, especially with Stetson Bennett, because there's some, there's a lot of times where he does stuff, and there's a lot of times where people people want to pick. It's all it's one or the other. You wanna you wanna dog him for the things he's not good at, but you won't give him credit for the stuff that he does that's good. And I can't stand that because like no nobody's perfect. Everybody's got you know issues if you don't like the guy then just say you don't like the guy and you wish we had a different quarterback we, you wish you had uh, a Trevor Lawrence or or somebody who is going to go in the top four of the draft you want one of those guys as your quarterback well no shit everybody does yeah. Stetson Bennett's intangibles are like off the charts and and this team rides with him yeah so uh, I mean his story is amazing I I truly hope my man gets to I think I saw something about uh, the the fan voting for the Heisman stats back up to number one in the Heisman voting. Do I think he is the best player in the country? No. Do I think he's mm. the best player on the best team in the country? Not even that. But I understand that he is a very important piece of a machine that keeps rolling over people. I mean, he manages that offense. Right. He manages one of the most prolific offenses in, in- here, here's the thing. 15 games. If you go all the way to the national title and win, you play 15 games, typically, unless you somehow get in and, and your conference doesn't have a championship game. So if if they run the table and they go 15-0 and 0 and hoist up another national title, there's really not much you could ever say about Stetson Bennett. Now, he sucks at RPOs. We know that. He makes bad decisions. We've been talking about that for a while now. But all he'll have done is go what 29 and 1 mm-hmm. with two if if they do it you know ifs and buts if they were sugar and nuts what a merry christmas we'd all have but it can happen the path seems pretty clear well we'll talk about that in a minute too we'll talk some some top 4 and some scenarios but yeah 29 and 1 Will you in have- two seasons and two national titles shut up so in in the normal conversation like rolls right into Stetson Bennett when you ask the question, uh, is Georgia that good? Uh, and I heard I I heard the critiques about Keeley Ringo not being a great defender. Now, you get a pass interference call on Keeley that I think Which was, was BS. Total bullshit. Um, but uh, other than that, like our our defense is is fine. Like I don't I don't understand. Somebody said something about we made the Georgia Tech quarterback look like a Heisman candidate. And I'm like, what? Man, First I, off, I, he's I, really good and he's transferring. I, I, I get it, though, but, like, it, I, I just don't understand. Like, we, we never – we were never, like, afraid or out of that game. Like, at no point in time. And can we please talk about the fact that Kenny McIntosh is a grown-ass man. Mm-hmm. 
a grown man, and he is just abusing people. I think he had almost 200 yards of total offense um, in the game against Georgia Tech. Like it, it's the defense is different than it was last year. That the defense last year, people got to stop comparing the two. It's not going to be the same. It's different. The personnel is different. We have we still are loaded with talent on that defense. Now, am I am I worried about any team that we've played so far? No. Like, have we been in some close games? Sure. But at no point in time have I ever been actually concerned. I was. I thought we were going to lose that Missouri game. I 100% thought we were going to lose. I think it's just like you say, uh, and we were talking about, we've talked about this on mic, off mic. It's, it's the fact that Georgia beat the hell out of Georgia Tech. Beat them by 24. If you get beat by three-plus touchdowns, what, three touchdowns and a field goal? You got your ass kicked. Yep. But it took Georgia all day to do it. And that's when I asked the question. They, you know, they just they, they kind of laid around in the first, the second, and then right towards the end of the third, they kind of started to turn it on a little bit. And then you and I made the decision because we were hungry and we had some friends. We said, hey, we'll, we'll try to get out of the stadium and go watch the fourth quarter. And they turned it on. And that's where I begged the question, like, are they just that good that they can just kind of hang around and then decide, hey, okay, let's put them to bed now. We've, we've toyed around with them long enough. The, the talent level is so obnoxious. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, and it's not the same. It's not the same everywhere. Like, for a while there, you, you look at, like, the, the recruiting classes and you, you look at, like, Texas A&M's recruiting class and Alabama's recruiting class every year. It's different now. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at our team and you I, – I don't have a sing, I don't have worries. I don't underestimate teams. I don't underestimate coaches. I don't think we can just walk out there unprepared and, and win football games. But our talent level is – elite yeah i mean georgia's the best program in the nation right now hands down above alabama above michigan above iowa state i'm sorry university of georgia and you can argue it if you want to it's a losing argument but you know in today's world if you just say you're right then that means you're right of course. but sorry georgia's the best program in all of college football well and, and it may not always be this way but for right in, in this moment as long it as is. kirby's march there sure but i'm just saying right now this is accurate. It's not just us loving Georgia and us being homers and saying this yeah. stuff. Like, this is a real thing right now. Yeah, well, he, Kirby Smart said it after. We're not, we haven't even seen the best Georgia football yet. No. Now, he, he was speaking of this season uh, after the Kentucky game, but overall, Georgia is just now ascending. Because guess what? T- what, 2017? That was their first national title appearance in a very, since 1980. And they lose to Alabama at the end of the game in a heartbreaker. Now they've they're, they've played last year and they won one. Chances are, I like our chances of getting back to the national title game. I so, do too. I I mean, I you never know anything could happen, but I do not see a scenario. Like I I mean, what do we? I mean, you just never know. You just never know. That's the thing. You just wait, so, never so know. It's like, it, you look at I look at all these situations and people are like, oh, you can't overlook this team to get to this team, and they use that when when talking about Florida this year. Don't overlook Florida before Tennessee. Oh, okay. We I don't think we ever overlooked that game because it's Florida and we hate yeah. Florida. Do you know how bad these guys probably and Kirby wants to beat LSU? Like SEC championship, be damned. We got some get back to get on LSU. Oh, I don't see how Georgia loses that game. They just lost to A&M. I think LSU's a very good team. I think Brian Kelly has something to be very proud of in the rest of that program, but I don't see Georgia losing to LSU. But even if they do, who cares? They're still in. But, but okay, I care. I, I don't want that to be a thing. But Oh, neither do I. At the same time, last year losing the SEC championship was the punch in the mouth that that team needed, and they just steamrolled. Michigan yeah. and then went in and beat Alabama but I I don't know that that's I I just want them I want them to go in and handle business. I don't want this to be another tough game. Like I don't want to I don't want to win like easily but make it look hard. Does that make sense? 
We talk about it all the time. I've, I've said a few times this year, I was like, man, the Auburn game. I said, man, we beat the hell out of Auburn, but it sure looked like we had to work for it. Drained the shit out of me. What was just it, 40, 45 to 10? I mean, throttled them. And just, just plain beat but, the pants off of them. But just watched it like yeah. exasperated the whole time. Like You've it, heard me say that a lot over the years. When I, when I come in when we were working together, I'd be like, man, I mean, we beat the shit out of them, but it's like we struggled to beat the – shit out of them yeah like, like we how made, does that happen we made it as hard as humanly possible um i well, don't see it happening but man i don't i don't think like in baseball time off is is detrimental i'm not so much convinced in football because it gives you time to rest from injuries and you're still out there practicing in pads and you got a full you know you got a whole scout team that's the other team and you're watching film and and you're getting after it and I think Georgia comes in there, well, I mean, it's this weekend. So it's no different. So really, it's no different. There's no time off, really. Nope. But I think they're going to be rested, raring to go, because, look, it's not like they exhausted themselves playing Tech. They literally played a quarter and a half of football. Yep. Now, of course, they played four quarters, but the the, the last, what, quarter and a half is the only one that counted. That's when they really kind of dialed it up and said, all right, let's – Let's let's squash these jackets. Let's just let's get out of here. Let's stop toying around. And it's it's crazy. But I think Kirby, the style of football he's playing this year, I don't really recall it. I mean, I guess he has, but this year it's let's get on top and then let's eat clock. Now, there's I mean, they dropped a ton of points on Vandy, ton of points on Auburn, but some of these games, these last, like the Kentucky game and whatnot, it's been like, hey, let's get ahead, two, three scores, keep the ball on the ground, play safe. Don't open up the playbook. I still think he's got some. He's got to some st- Munkin. Those guys, they still have some stuff up their sleeve. If that, you don't, this is the weirdest playbook ever. You have yeah. to have a whole bunch in your back pocket. And I think we're on a collision course to play Michigan for a national title this year. It's going to be an interesting weekend. That- well, it's weird because everybody's still trying to get Alabama in there. And no, no, sir. No, no, no. You do not play in a championship game. You have two losses. You're out of here. Some clown even said, Georgia ought to be playing Tennessee for the SEC title. Well, it's humanly impossible because they're in the same division. East plays West. Get over it. Tennessee, not in. Sorry. Man, the shit some people say. TCU, uh, they have a, do they have a, does, what are they, Big 12? Yep. They have a title game? Yep. Who are they playing? Uh, shit. I'll eat some. I'll eat some. See, I'll do like Georgia does, and I'll eat some clock right now, and uh, I'll just add some side notes for college football fans. There has been some movement. Some guys from A and M are entering the portal. Uh, Cincinnati's got a big DB that entered the portal because if you haven't been watching, Luke Fickens is now the head coach at Wisconsin, and that was kind of a dream destination for him. And it seems like uh, it was one of those kind of everything just worked out right, and the timing, and and what he believes, and what Wisconsin believes Wisconsin football should be. So he's there. Auburn's got a new guy in Hugh Freeze. I don't even know where sanctions to begin there. are coming. Well, he he is well known for sliding up into coeds DMs. Listen, doing other uh, naughty things. I think it's uh, I don't you know whatever. If it's a good fit for Auburn, it's a good fit for Auburn. Hugh Freeze and Bruce Pearl. What could go wrong? Yeah, right. I think you know. Uh, I don't know. I'd love to see some articles about what happened with Dion. I know Charles Barkley and Bo Jackson both were kind of lobbying for him, but it seems like he'll either stay at Jackson State or go to Colorado or UCF. And I think that's really the move. If he can do at Colorado or UCF what he did at Jackson State, like two, three more seasons. That's when he gets elevated to well, a big boy job. I I I don't. If Colorado and UCF are the choices, I think he stays put. If he has to pick between the two of those, if he does pick, I think he goes to UCF. Man, you just never know with compensation and, and packages sure. and perks and benefits, sure. and it is a step up to the next level. But so. I also I also don't think money is that big of a deal. I, I I mean I'm sure it. Does. No, I mean he's set, but but I don't think that he's he's focused on that. And but wherever he goes, uh, I I think his his kids still have eligibility. Yeah, Shadur still has one or two years. So wherever he goes, they're going. Well, I will say this: I'll I'll take a page from your playbook. And even though Prime is probably with the Aflac ads and the the, the Cowboys, 49ers, Falcons, all all the other money, he's set. 
But as you say, you never leave money on the table. You don't leave money on the table. But at the same time, if that's not the job you want, you don't. If you're the coaching game is is got to be got to be a little strategic, too, because, you know, what he's doing now is amazing. And he's he's building his brand as well as the football team. Well, I I think, and this is just me with my, uh, I don't think, I wouldn't call it a conspiracy theory, but this is just me with my hat on, my, uh, I don't know, scenario hat. I I think he may not want to go to Colorado or UCF, but I think those are two destinations to where it is a step up from Jackson State. And if you want to ask me personally what I think, because I was shocked. I just, I don't know why I never pictured or saw Dion as having any interest in coaching at all. I think he's making moves and making plays in his long game, FSU. Of course, yeah. I think Dion is working his way. And and, a U, and if you can do at a UCF or a Colorado that doesn't get a lot of talent, they, I mean, I don't want to say that. If you go play college football, you're talented. But it's not top-tier, you know, SEC, Big Ten talent. But if you can go win there and make them relevant, then that's a step in the next – that's kind of like mid-tier. And, then, and now they'll start to take him seriously – and then I just think he's holding out. Well, okay. but I think he has to prove himself at a at a the next level before FSU will take a really serious look at him. Well, and I I I've, I've been saying the FSU thing since he started coaching. Man, I there is no doubt in my mind that he would love that job. But the the Georgia Tech thing was intriguing to me. But in this scenario, I think Colorado, I I, I think UCF would be the move. You get to UCF and then you start you you start recruiting. Florida. Oh yeah. So like it, it all makes sense. If, if, if he's planning on leaving, if leaving, he said he had a lot to do there. So if he has a plan and he wants to do specific things while he's there, I I feel like Deion Sanders is a guy that's going to do what he said he's going to do and then, then move on. But if he does end up going somewhere else, like, yeah, I do. I don't think his next move is his last move. Oh sure. no, this is, this is chess for Dion. I oh, think yeah. it's a chess game and I think it's a long game and, when they say Dion runs like the most like strict and well run practices, like he's got Jackson State working like a machine. Yeah, and I, like so, it's not like I, you know a lot of people. I think thought it was like kind of a joke or like a gimmick to give Dion Sanders a coaching position, and turns out he's a he's a leader of men. So, yeah. well, it, people didn't take Jackson State seriously, and a lot of people don't know that. You could, you could, it's an argument for the greatest NFL running back of all time, Walter Payton. That's where he went to college. It's a good school for football. I mean, they've had some talent. So everybody, I think, I mean, maybe even I for a little bit was like, what Jackson State? Okay. But then I did my homework and there you go. I mean, it, it is what it is. And I never thought that that was his end game, but, you know, whatever. They're undefeated. I'm, his son should be in the Heisman talk. His son is killing it. Well, the only reason, and, and you know this just as well as I do, so I'm not really telling you anything you don't know, but the reason is is the level of talent of they course. play against. Of course. Tra- Travis Hunter. I, I for this, this is a hard one for me because you know me and you say the same thing. Iron sharpens iron. Yep. But at Jackson State, now, on the one hand, Travis Hunter, who is a defensive back, is now playing for arguably the greatest DB that ever played the game of football in Deion Sanders. But he's a big fish in a little pond, and he's not playing against superior talent. He's not playing against guys. There's probably one or two. Like, I've never seen Shador Sanders play football, but he's got good pedigree. You know, dad was pretty damn good. But is, is, he, is he that good? I want to see these guys, and I think maybe that's why I'd like to see Dion take off. Sure. Take them two cats with you and let them play against a little bit better talent. And if you go to if you go to UCF, and UCF's a big ass school, so it's not like it's in Florida. It's not like it's hard to get people there. UCF has had success, but if if you do what you're doing there at UCF, people are going to come calling. Yeah, my cousin was on the baseball team at UCF uh, back in the day. But that's, I think that's another thing a lot of people don't understand either when it comes to talent. And you see guys like, I'll throw one out there, Jacob Eason. 
he shined out there in the Pacific Northwest. But guess what? He wasn't playing against top-tier talent. And people wonder why these these uh, blue-chip prospects or these guys, look at where they're coming from and look at the schools they're playing against and look at the talent coming out of those high schools and what are those high schools doing. And I think that and that will probably kind of shape it up a little more for you when you wonder, like, well, why did that, why did that guy peter out? Well, he was the top 1% of a lesser talent pool. Now you bring him into college – you know, it's just it is what it is. I don't think people think about that sometimes of, of what, where, what kind of football they're and what kind of talent they're playing against that yeah, makes them shine. Naturally gifted and all that stuff is is great, but again, iron sharpens iron. It's, yeah. it's what your your competition level is when you have to go in. I mean, some people are just naturally gifted in a way to where it doesn't matter, and they can yeah. just adapt to where wherever they are. But sometimes that shows who you played against. Exactly. And, man, so let's talk about these four teams. As it stands today, right now, well, the new poll comes out tonight, too, and it's going to be the same as the the, the normal rankings. It's going to be Georgia at number one, Michigan number two, TCU number three, USC number four. Now, is there any other way for anybody to, to get in? There's a, there's Ohio State has a path back in, but it, that Iowa, every, every Ohio State fan better be an Iowa fan coming up. Because they've got to beat Michigan. If Michigan beats Iowa, there's no. Ch- I don't think that. Well, USC they've got to play a title game. Who are they playing? Uh, it's the Pac-12 championship. Uh, TCU is playing Kansas State. That's the Big Twelve. Yep. Uh, so I think they win that one. And then we got to figure out. There's a uh, the Pac-12 championship is going to be USC. So they would have to win that game. I think I, there, there there is no way if LSU wins. Which they won't. I don't think they will. I think Georgia handles their business just fine uh, this Saturday. They don't even get in. It's I don't care if it's because they beat n- Utah, USC. Who knows, man? The Utes. I mean, they're in the championship game, so uh, that could be a toss up. But I don't see anybody else making a play to get in. I'm sorry. No, no, no championship game for Alabama, Tennessee, and two losses means forget about it. I don't even think. LSU could walk in and beat Georgia 45 to nothing. I still don't think they they rocket ship up to a number four spot. Well, they're not going to do that, but I, I don't mean, think, I and, think, and they got three losses. I don't think there's a way for a three loss team. To, I think what we're looking at, unless TCU or USC lose that it's the stage is set. Yeah. I, and I honestly, I don't think, I don't see either of those teams losing. And even if Michigan loses, I don't think they fall out mm, lose the interesting champ- lose the championship game you get one loss who's gonna jump back in is ohio state gonna jump you back in i would think so why uh, you beat them hey man ncaa committee they're weird yeah, uh, well, <laughs> they're I, weird I, I hear that but it, now I mean, uh and i guess too and i should i should know this i'll look this up or, or you have it in front of you but you know iowa uh where the, where's iowa at in the rankings where are they at Iowa is unranked. I think that's why. An unranked Iowa in a championship game against number two Michigan, they it's, knock them off. But it's not going to happen. Like, I, that is uh, – anything can happen, but that's not going to. Yeah, I, I, th- I think personally we're locked in here. I think what you're going to see tonight when they release it, Georgia-Michigan, TCU-USC, and then after the, the following Tuesday, I think it's where the stage is set. I, I don't think it changes. I am, I am I'll go A-okay. with you. I think everybody wins out. I am, then, I'll be in Atlanta for that game. I will. I have to go see that. If it's Georgia USC, I want to see it so bad. Yeah, there'll be Georgia USC. Then I mean, I really, man, it looks like Michigan's going to get another crack at Georgia for a national title. And you know what the great thing about that is? I'm a winner either way. Shut, shut your, <laughs> your dirty mouth. I, I don't even want Hey, man, to. I'll be red and black all day. You know that. I'll be hoping for Georgia to pull down Michigan's pants again and spank them for a national title man, on a national stage. The man who on the mic told me I had to pick one or the other just said he wins either way. I'm uh, just saying, you know. My heart I'll, is shattered. I'll be like those old wrestlers, you know, like when they, they come out and like their NWO uh, – they had the old white and black NWO, but then they tear it off in their red and black NWO, the, no. their wolf pack. Oh, no. I don't know. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Well, it's funny. You know, I'll, like, I'll be able to smell the Michigan clothing on you. 
Like, I watched a couple of Michigan games this year, and I want to go to the big house, but I wanted to go to the big house before I gave them a bunch of money to uh, take some classes in their engineering school online. But now that I gave them a big ton of, a big, big stack of cash for some education, I feel like, uh, I feel like I've earned it. But again, I told people all the time, like I wear my Michigan shirt and I'm like, Hey, you, you don't listen to the podcast, but Mark says, I know where my football bread is buttered. And anytime Georgia collides against Michigan, red to black, head to toe. I don't even care if Georgia starts going Owen 12 and Michigan's undefeated. I'll still be a, a dog for life, but I got another horse in the race. I, I, well, that I'll is say totally this. fair. I'll say this at my, at my age, and I'm not old, but I'm kind of set in my ways. How hard will it really be for me to, to watch Michigan football regularly and try to get involved because I'm in Atlanta and they're all the way up there in Ann Arbor. It's not like you just hop in the car and drive down to Ann Arbor for a game. <laughs> like we can go to Athens, but I don't, I don't know that I could be emotionally invested in two college football teams. It's too much. I don't think I have, I don't think I have that. Yeah. In me. I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm just gonna, saying yeah, I could watch. I watch all the, football I can get my eyes on but like as far as like the way Georgia makes me feel if I had another team that did that I'd be crippled <laughs> <laughs> but man uh yeah it's it's crazy that, that we're already here though yeah it, it seems like it Flies just started but every year but one thing that I was happy about uh over the weekend is you've heard me say and I, and I still kind of feel this way but that had been uh a long a really long time since I'd been to Athens for a game and it was tech, so it was kind of like, hey, you know, just kind of ease back in. But I know next year, and I'm not saying I am not going to be at every home game. That is too much work. And I got a great recliner, and you guys all, all know the whole story. The, the cooler, the fridge, the clean bathroom, no lines, no weight, whatever. But I did enjoy going down and chilling at the Hojo and waking up and, and getting an Uber and getting dropped off at the Arch on North Campus and walking through downtown and walking through the campus, like I'm going, to, I'm going to more than one game next year. I said three, two home, one road. Now the only question is, which road game do I go to? And how do we figure out when George is going to have a night game? Can you just tell us early? Yeah, right. I want a Georgia night game. I think I'm gonna, even though I, for some reason I feel like I shouldn't. I think I'm gonna do Florida just for the fact that this this could be the last. Uh, well, you said it would stay there, but this could be the last for real legitimate cocktail party. Right. Well, it, I think it will stay there, but like yeah. we don't we won't know till after the game's played. I, I don't think they'll make that decision prior to the season end. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess we'll find out, but No, they won't. But but for for those of you that may not, you know, uh follow as closely as we do, the the Georgia Florida contract that they have with Jacksonville and that whole series expires after next season. So potentially, it could turn into a one year we play in Athens, the next year we play in Jacksonville. I would much prefer, and I think Florida maybe too. And I don't know. I think Florida Stadium is bigger. I just want an excuse to go to Ben Hill Griffin, man. The swamp. How great would it be to roll into the swamp with the dogs and put a whipping on them right in Gainesville? Well, it's man. I have so many good and bad memories from Jacksonville. I I love the fact that it's down there, but I now, like, for the students of both schools who have yet to get there, yet to experience it, I would be very sad for them. Yeah, maybe. But but at the same time, it, it I guess it'll be the 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 students in the middle, the students that know, and then they come in and then it's gone from them like that. It would suck there. But at the same time, that home and away would be so great. Yeah. So great. I won't feel sorry for anybody. I'll just be like, hey, man, you know, you, you know, it's like people now. There are a whole generation of children, some of them young adults, never heard Larry Munson call a game. Fair Larry, enough. And that's what's crazy, too. Larry's been gone a long time now. It's crazy how it seems like it was just a few seasons ago, but Larry's been gone for a long time. and they, they So it's like, well, I, I, you just you weren't born in the right time. Sorry. Hearing his voice but, before the game. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Oh, man, hearing Larry at the end of some of those Georgia-Florida games when Georgia had it wrapped up and, you know, it's over. I've lit my cigar. I don't – I do it – like, nobody can do Larry Munson. But 
I, I will say this: Eric Zier uh, is his voice sometimes is, is kind of Munson esque with that gravelly. Close your eyes, but but he's the color man right now, and uh, we we were, we were supposed to be able to meet him Saturday, but it didn't happen. We have a we have a friend of the show or a friend in the making, Mister Chris Giovanni. He's Tony Schiavone's son. If you don't know who he is, then you didn't watch wrestling in the South growing up. But Tony Schiavone's done basketball for Georgia and some, I think, a little baseball. But he made his bones. He's a legendary, legendary. If you see those old school Ric Flair videos where he's got the Rolex watch and the alligator shoes and he's shucking and jiving, the little dude with the mustache, that's Tony Schiavone. So, uh, but it didn't happen. Uh, we didn't get to get up there. But I, I'll say it now. I, I, I hope. Well, honestly, when I go to sleep at night, Mark and I are the new voice of the Bulldogs on the radio. Oh, but shut your mouth. if yeah. it's got to be somebody, I would like to have Eric Zire. And nothing against Scott Howard. I've I just never – I'm sure he's a wonderful person, but I've just never been a – it doesn't feel – he doesn't feel like, you know, Scott Howard and the, and the Georgia Bull, it just doesn't feel right. I don't know why. And he's been there a long time. Big shoes to fill, man. They it's, are. It's like, you know, guy, the poor guy that's got to follow Saban. Or the poor guy that's got to follow Kirby Smart, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it is tough because uh, people people that don't even know Georgia know Larry Munson. Larry Munson is arguably like the Vince Scully of college football. Name a better college football announcer than Larry Munson. I, I dare you. Well, and everybody has their everybody has their guy. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know, man. If you if you just put him up against like a focus group. Yeah. People that didn't have any particular ties to any particular universities and just listen, man. And, and the thing about, and, I, and this is why everybody loved Larry, is because he went against the grain. He broke all the rules of broadcasting. As a broadcaster, you know, Kerb Herbstreet has called quite a few Ohio State games, but he's been impartial. Any announcer that calls a game, even if they're calling, you know, John Smoltz when he calls the Braves, he's impartial. Larry Munson made no bones about it. He was a homer all the way. He said, I'm calling this game for the Georgia Bulldogs. And by the way, I'm a dog. Bulldog born, bulldog bred, here I lie, bulldog dead. He didn't care. And that's what's crazy. Like, everybody talks about, like, he just, man, he made no, you you knew where Larry stood. He wasn't going to be impartial. He was going to talk Georgia up as much as he could. Now, he he wasn't crazy Georgia fan if – Georgia made mistakes. He'd let them know about it up in that booth. You know, he. he but, but you knew where he stood. Yeah, he would. He would darn sure be like, "We're terrible today. We're just awful." I guess my best, my one of my favorite Larryisms too is a lot of games when he would look in the trenches. He would always, you'd always hear, "They're so much bigger than we are." Said that a lot, but oh man, we might do a whole show where we just cue great Larry calls. That's another thing. Show me another. I'm Bob Costas doesn't have one. I don't know if Marv Albert doesn't have one. Larry Munson has an entire DVD series. Munson's Greatest Calls, like volume one, two, and three. I don't know of anybody else that's got that. They, they, they could. I just, I've never Googled it, but Larry has an entire DVD series, and all it is is you watching old Georgia games and listening to these I, iconic great calls. I guess I know what I'm getting myself for Christmas. Yeah, right. Man, the holiday, it's crazy too. The holiday season is here. The NFL season is almost winded down. And as much as I want to talk about that Falcons game, I'm going to go ahead and uh, not talk about it too much because it was disgusting. God. And now, here's the other thing I've got to figure out. My girlfriend's parents, they don't get the games sometimes. It's hard to know what game you can watch and what game you can't watch. And I made a good uh, a bet with a good friend of ours, Miss Jess Davis who is the wife of our buddy Justin Davis. I said, whoever, she's, a, she's from D.C., and she's a, she's a Redskins fan. And I said, winner buys dinner for the other one, and it's a great place here. It's a, it's a restaurant and a gun range all in the same room. It's called Governor's Gun Club. It's kind of this hoity-toity, fancy-smancy place. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, at because we had our Thanksgiving on Sunday at their house. We couldn't get the game, so I'm watching on my phone here and there. But there were people in the room, and so we were entertaining, you know, having a glass of wine, this and that. And I look up and see that it's like first and goal with like a minute and 23 left, and the Falcons got it. And I said, well, I, Falcons are going to punch it in. They got this in the bag, and they didn't. They blew it. I don't care what – and this is – so here's another thing. 
This is not being a uh, spoiled Atlanta fan or a fair weather. This is just the plain truth. The Falcons blew it. They blew it. And now Arthur Smith said, well, the, uh, the, 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 the commanders made a football play. They made a, they made a great. No. And you, you may disagree with me, but they blew it. Blew it, blew it, blew it. And now I got to spend a bunch of money. I get to hang out with my good friends, but now I got to spend a bunch of money on a dinner in, in gun ranges. Thanks, Atlanta. Yeah, I don't. It's not that. Uh, it's not that I disagree with you. I just don't know who to be mad at. Like I'm, I'm. It infuriates me. And you, it's a fifty-fifty split. Like, are you mad at the coach for the play call? Are you mad at the quarterback who? I, it seems like you spend the entire game keeping him away from throwing the football. Were you trying to trick them? Did you did you ever see that Super Bowl where they threw it instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch? Yeah, like I, like so I don't I don't know. Am I am I mad at Mariota because he can't deliver a three yard pass without yeah. throwing it off a giant man? Yeah, but here and here's a the- wide open Cordero Patterson. Like, what am I mad at here? Because I'm mad. I'm going to tell you who you should be mad at, but here's another problem. You're going to, you have two reasons to be mad because even sitting at five and seven, the Falcons are still in the hunt. And if the Falcons are still in the hunt, that means you're not seeing Ritter. Yep. Now, if you, this is who you should be mad at Thomas Dimitrov. This is all his fault. He absolutely came in here and pillaged the pantry. Just, just bet the farm on Julio Jones Gave out all these fat contracts. He wrecked the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't doing his job because I think it very much was a we've got Matt Ryan here. Let's go win right now. Let's do whatever it takes. You just missed every time you swung. Yeah, but that plan bombed. It bombed. So anytime you see, and again, but it's almost, yeah, you can't be mad at the Falcons, but be mad at Thomas Dimitrov because they're doing what you said they would do. They're right there in games. And they're just barely losing them. And they've already exceeded the win total by one. I think they can win a couple, three more. But, man, they just can't close them out. They're not closers. That's that's what the Falcons aren't. They're not so, closers. But I, I guess here's why I'm angry. Here, because I am conflicted on how to feel. I don't think Arthur Smith should have to worry about calling that play and that be the result. I don't think that should be a thing. I don't understand personally with that much time on the clock why you don't go the safer route. But damn, man, like it, it's it's so close. The they're the games that we're losing, it's the what, the third or fourth game we've lost by less than a score or less mm-hmm. than 7 points. Um I man, Mariota's driving me insane. I know that. And uh, Arthur Smith is a very good play caller. So I can only imagine that it's like slightly frustrating to to know how to to run this offense. I, man, I saw a video. I saw a video of this amazing Drake London catch, right? They don't want to show you the the screen play that he like bobbled and dropped and cost us there but like that that's slightly irrelevant they're showing me this play and it's all over the internet it's instagram facebook the atlanta falcons posted it up showing how great drake london's hands are but it's an unscathed marcus Mariota throwing the ball about seven to eleven yards down the field at his feet so he has to reach all the way down and catch it before it hits the ground Awesome catch, man. Guess what happened right after that? He got stuck and tackled. Yeah. I, so I'm watching these things. I'm watching, like, we can't effectively deliver the football. We're still in games. Are you seriously still telling me that putting another person in there, like, if you I just, I wish somebody would just be like, hey, man, we don't want to do it. We don't want to do it for a different reason other than we're still in the hunt. Because yeah. we can't still be in the hunt because of Marcus Mariota. That is not why. No, you because can't, because you can't the, bu- the the Bucks keep losing. 
Yeah, you, but, Brady lost his first Sunday game after well, it's some crazy stat of like after leading by two touchdowns going into the third or fourth quarter, something crazy. He was like two hundred and eighty three and zero, but they lost Sunday. So as long as the Bucks keep losing and letting Atlanta hang around, Mariota ain't going anywhere. Well, and so and I'll tell you what else got me and the entire season up until this past weekend, um, listening to Marcus Mariota's post game press conference after losses like gave me like it gave me that he's a leader he's he's saying what he needs to say if everybody hears this they're going to be good listening to him after this particular game pissed me off it was the exact same shit again and like dude dude that's you bro that's yeah. you. You did that. Like it, it, there, like no room. I can't, you're not gonna think about it. Like I get it. I get you have to say that, but like I can't deal with that deadpan bullshit after that pick in the end zone. Like I yeah. cannot. I can't handle it. Well, the Marcus Mariota experiment in Atlanta for me is over, and I get it. You know, it, it, if they're still in the hunt for whatever reason, Smith still thinks he gives us the best chance to win, or or. Again, we've talked about it. It's it's a young quarterback. We don't want to ruin his psyche, the the O-line, whatever it is. I'll say this. If you want to leave him in because we're still a threat to get a wild card or even win the South because that's how bad the South is, fine. But you know what better not happen for me as a fan? Better not see him going into camp. Well, he's here for two years. Like, that's a... Trade him. Cut him. I don't care what you do. But but why you've already you've already signed him like that is a viable backup quarterback that can run your offense if somebody's down. Mm, that I was the whole. If, but that's if, the whole that we we've talked about this since before the season started when we had like twinkle in our eyes. But before, can he run the well, offense? I mean, can he? <laughs> so I'm gonna ask. Can he? Yeah. I, I mean, yes. Fair <laughs> enough. It. This is what this is where I'm I'm mildly losing my mind is just because like. We know what you are. Like, we talked about this. Like, the best-case scenario is that you overachieve. And I think the team is overachieving. Marcus is not overachieving by any stretch of the imagination. So where we are right now is that that our stopgap guy that knows Arthur Smith, that is familiar, that wouldn't take too much coaching – to get to understand what was going on because he's already had to learn it. That's why we got him. I'm way past that. I don't give a shit anymore. I don't yeah, I don't no, want, I don't want him on the field. Like if if we lose every single game for the rest of the year with Desmond Ritter behind or under center, I'd be happy. I'd be okay with that. Let us let us find out what it is. Like, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to make it to the playoffs? Are we trying to win the NFC South with Marcus Mar- with Marcus I mean, Mariota? Like, yeah. I don't want. I'm not saying like should we we shouldn't try to win, but like, are we trying to win with Marcus Mariota going into the playoffs so we can get embarrassed early in the playoffs? But just say we made it or say we won the NFC South. Like, put the other kid in, see if we can actually do something with the. With the pieces that we have, if we can actually deliver a ball to a receiver downfield in stride, potentially, um, but I, man, it's it's driving me insane. Like I don't understand. Like if you you're we are literally driving down the middle of the road. Yeah, well, the same. We'd get the same outcome if we put Ritter in now. But, but I mean, we would we, see Ritter. We would uh, know what Ritter is. He would get game experience. Are you telling me like that? That's where that's so valuable just to just to get him in the game. If you again, this is why I wish they would just tell me, "Hey, man, we're not doing it because we don't want him to go in behind that offensive line." Cool, but but I feel like that, and and I don't know that this is Arthur Smith's stance or Terry Fontenot's stance, but maybe they're sitting around going, "We don't have to. We don't. We don't owe you an explanation." Yeah, no, they maybe. don't. Maybe. I don't I don't I, yeah, so maybe. But but this is why this is so frustrating because nobody nobody's letting us know what the plan is. It's just like, "Oh, it, you keep telling me that guy gives us the best chance to win and um he keeps showing me that he does not." I, I think at this point with 5 games left, it's a wash. Don't put Ritter in there just to just so the fans can see who he is. Like if he, and again, he he's had some flash 
in preseason and he had flash in practice, you know, camp and everything. Why risk it? With with five games left, hey, guess what? Now you've had a chance to to experience a full entire NFL season. And I like to think that even if the Falcons don't sneak into the playoffs, like secretly, they're just like Marcus or, or, or uh, Desmond, hey, hey, don't worry. And he's going to come into camp next year and had a full season of running. I'm sure he's running practices and scout teams and he's doing all the work and, and watching film. And I think, you know, I would be stunned if Marcus Mariota got the starting job next year. Oh, my God. And like I said, now again, I'm pretty sure he's not getting paid all that much in, as far as NFL quarterbacks are concerned. Yeah, he's not. Get him out of here. And I know, like like you said, like, hey, he can do it. And I said, well, can he? But so he's a he's a great locker room guy. Like, but so I want a guy that if, if Ritter somehow goes down, the other guy can step in and get it done. Well, and if Ritter goes down, I can tell you, with some degree of certainty, Mariota cannot get it done. It'll it, So I'll put it to you this way. If Ritter wins the job and goes to the next season and gets hurt, and let's just say the Falcons are 5-0, and oh, and then it's Mariota, well, we're done. Well, Stick a fork in him because he's, well, however long it takes for Ritter to get back, Mariota's going to blow this thing. I'm not look. I have I, a funny feeling that we're just gonna we're just gonna be in the dark until the off season, and then we we're are. gonna see how they draft, and that's gonna explain a lot to us, and then we're gonna go from there. Yeah, I, I, I would like to think that it's just kind of hey, you know, guys, we're we're five and seven, we still got a shot at this. We that's the only thing I can think of is, and I know it frustrates fans because you you're you're the head of the uh you know let's get Ritter in here. Uh, you know, I just committee. want to see him. I, like I know. You, well, I, well, you're like everybody else. Everybody else just wants to see him. And I think where I'm coming from is I don't want to see him with five games left. Right. It's just not worth it, him. Because what if he comes in against the Saints or the Ravens and blows out an Achilles or an ACL? So, like, so like I'm, I'm with you on that. I feel like we've gone past the point where I yeah. wanted him to get, like, a, a three-quarter season in. I was hoping game five would be Ritter time um, yeah. and that that was the plan. It's not. And that's okay, and I'll go with that. I'm just expressing why it's frustrating to have to watch this bullshit at the end of every game. Like, if we weren't in the game, like, I i don't want to get blown out by anybody, but I'd way rather get blown out by a team than deal with this, like, bullshit end of the game. And it's one guy. One guy every time is making the mistake. I think you're... I think you're angry at how it happens, but you said this was going to happen. You were like, hey, man, as long as we stay in games, I think you're just... There was a very big... I think you're annoyed at the ending. Like, Yeah, but the whole part, the whole point of I hope everybody on our team progresses, but we lose by one point, when I said that early on, I, that was involving Ritter getting better throughout the season. Yeah, well, I, I think everyone is progressing, save Marcus Mariota. Right. We, we, we know what he is. He's... And what he is is not a good NFL quarterback. Fair enough. Sorry, Marcus. Yeah, I'm sure he's a hell of a guy. Don't know him. Haven't seen a lot of interviews, but uh, I think we're just we're toast. We're toast. Um, but actually, uh, uh, I'm looking at messages here. We are we are out of time for today. I've got some uh, things to do. Mark is picking up uh, employees and dropping them off at work and. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to see you Thursday, though. We'll be back. We didn't get to the Hawks today, but Thursday we're going to kick it off with the Hawks. They dropped one to Philly by a few. But Atlanta, happy holidays. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Do you believe? 